Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. Hey, listeners. Since recording these episodes on the Kruger's Dorp murders, we have been informed that throughout the episodes, we mispronounced the town of Kruger's Dorp. We apologize for any inconvenience that this may cause, as we do not live in this area, and just simply transposed a couple of letters in our interpretation of it. We ask for your understanding and grace as you listen. Thank you. And we're we're the home stretch, guys. Yeah. The last of the Devil's Cecilia. Cecilia slash Kruger's Drop murders, whatever you want to call them. We are here in the final stretch. Strap in though, because and I didn't say strap on. I said strap in. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Different podcast. But whatever I mean, you do you at home. Whatever you need to do. For comfort. For comfort. Yep. Through this. To get through this. That's right. Where we left you was after the fourth murder. Rhea is becoming um it was in two thousand and twelve. She's becoming a recluse. She went into hiding for fear of her own life. And now I'm going to transition to the fact I did explain at the end of, of the second episode that the reason that Cecilia had not just murdered Rhea is because of her own lie of, of Rhea owning or having the maternal rights over her. Mm-hmm. So if she murdered Rhea, she herself would die. Question. Yeah. Do you think she would have? Had or do you think she wanted Rhea to... to- Endure this. I think that eventually she would have. She would have. I agree because it then turns away from revenge killings of Rhea and turns to profit. They start robbing people and murdering for money. Okay, gotcha. So I do think that eventually she would have just murdered her and then moved on. She would have continued. I mean, she's got all these cronies to do it for her. So why not profit off from it? Right, right. So the next best thing in their minds, if if she can't have Rhea, is. Why not take one of her children? So Rhea has four children, as I mentioned. Only one of them, and his name was Joshua, was active and led like more of a public life. The rest of them did not. So he was the easiest target for Cecilia. Don't tell me they kill one of her children. You're you going to it. have to listen to the episode. Stop, God re- damn stop it. recording. You stop it. <laughs> I'm not pushing that button. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is just like I... My heart has broken for her the whole time. She's just this good person trying to do good things. And Cecilia pulled her in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now, well, this. let me tell you what happens. All right, I'll shut up. Will you? Because I'm trying to get on with the story. <laughs> All right. I will sit here quietly. No, you will not. But you will sit there. Okay. So what happens is Cecilia makes the cronies do the, the typical Marinda Zach, Marcel, which is Marinda's teenage daughter, and Leroy, which is Marinda's teenage son that's two years older than Marcel, just to refresh everyone. They're doing some recon. 
on Joshua. There were a couple of attempts on his life, but they were never actually able to be carried out because all their attempts were faltered by Joshua not being alone enough for them to take him like they had the other people. So they decide to get help of another member of Electus Perdius, who up to this point did not know about the four previous murders. Remember Amber and James from the last episode? Yes. They start feeling James out for how involved could he be, all right? They flat out tell him about the murders. And in that moment, James realized what they had told him he's going to have to act okay with. Otherwise, he's next. I'm sure. So he's not okay with what he's hearing. But he is smart enough to know that he has to play along. In the same token, he's trying to figure out how he can outsmart this group to save Joshua's life. And he actually does just that. So James tells Zach to give money and a pistol to a guy named Justice, who was actually an illegal immigrant, and claiming that he couldn't be traced. So Zach agrees, like, oh, you're right. If we're going to have to make this a little bit more public of how we get Joshua, because he's not really ever alone very, very often, yeah, you know, let's, let's bring in this justice. So then James tells Justice, here's some money and here's a gun. You never saw me. You don't know me. Run with it. Okay. But he tells the other members of the group. Yep, I gave Justice the instructions. He's got the money. He's got the gun. He's going to carry out the hit on Joshua. So James has also seen Cecilia giving police officers some knives. And she was always telling them that her connections with the police made it so that she would know if anyone tried to turn on her, as I mentioned in the previous episode. But to James, she knows he knows that if Cecilia was giving knives to a police officer, that means that There's some trust going on there. There's some shady shit going on there. So he does not go to the police with this information of them wanting to kill Joshua. And this is why. Because of what he's witnessed and because of what Cecilia has told them. He knew that Cecilia was not going to be happy about the fact that Justice went rogue and didn't carry out the hit on Joshua and stole their money. But he decided in that moment that he didn't care because the minute that he gave Justice the money and the gun... He was going into hiding, di- disconnecting himself from Electus Perdius. Electus Perdius, um, which, by the way, means chosen by God. Uh, which is how why she, I did forget to mention that in the first part, or in excuse me, part two. Um, yes, that that's what the the whole reason why they chose that name, why Cecilia chose that name. James also confessed everything to Amber that he knew. Amber contacted her friend Monique, who helped. Monique actually helped put them into contact with some police officers that she trusted, that Monique trusted. The long and the short of it is that the police set James up with a wire and they send him back into the lion's den to talk to Cecilia about the murders. And basically James is like, listen, this happened before he gave the pistol and the money to justice. So James gets him to talk about it by saying, like, listen, if I'm going to help you kill Joshua, then I need to know the details of what you've done before and how this has went down before. So they get all the details, and it is recorded beautifully on the recorder. They're bragging about it in a really sick way, making fun of the victims and what they said and what they did and how they looked when they died. It's just disgusting. 
There are yeah, that's horrible. I not even stuff that I want to come out of my mouth. So the police officer that is I mentioned before is now being investigated was not waiting for James where he said that he would be. This isn't just one police officer. This is a, a force of police officers that dropped the ball here. And they are all being investigated now. But James knew it didn't matter. I mean, he's got this recording, but to him, he's like, whatever. He's not where he said he's going to be. Doesn't matter. Doesn't change anything for me. I'm bailing. He actually lived, James lived with Zach at the time, which I think I did mention in part one. Now, after Zach murdered his wife, James moved in. They did eventually end up selling the house, but then Zach and James moved in together. Okay. So he lives with Zach that whole time thinking that Zach's wife had just been brutally murdered by like the satanic church, not knowing that it was Zach himself and his and the other members that he'd been hanging out with until now. So he ran, he returns home to get all of his IDs and his work certificates. He was an electrician, so he wanted all those things with him with, with some of his clothes and pack. And he discovers that at some point in time when living with Zach, Zach actually had stolen all of his IDs and his work certificates. Oh, my god! And it gosh. wasn't noticed until just now. And it's not because they were on to James thinking he was about to bounce. It was that they stole it before because Electus Perdias was using them to run his credit. And they ran his credit into the ground, which actually made living on the run from the group very difficult for him without his certificates to show that he was a certified electrician. James gives the recording to Monique before leaving town and she did give it to an officer who can't be named because he is still he is now under inquiry as well. Now this same week that James is leaving and tells Amber, you know, they're leaving. Rhea leaves her apartment and got a new job because someone was starting rumors at her new job. Who do you think oh, that gosh. was? I have mm -hmm. no idea. So now Rhea is leaving the country. Monique did call and try to tell her about the group planning to murder her son, but the message was not relayed to her correctly. And what was relayed to Rhea is that her life is in danger. So I do not know if there was a language barrier here. I do not. The details were not specific, and I don't want to uh, want to guess or assume. But basically, Monique was trying to call and tell her, like, listen, I've got this recording. Your son's life is in danger. And it somehow was translated into, Rhea, your life is in danger. This was nothing new to Rhea. She already felt like her life was in danger. She went into, you know, she was a recluse as it was, got a new job. Well, now she's leaving the country. She's just not even staying in, in the same country. All the messages that she did get, she forwarded to the police department that still wasn't doing anything, and she leaves. The captain and the lieutenant that were on the case, like I said, are now being investigated because they, they were not taking any of this stuff seriously. Two weeks later, an officer named Suzette Cotens, I, I'm not saying that correct at all. I'm just going to call her Suzette because I butchered her last name and I apologize. She was of the police's occult task force. She did connect with, Jos with Joshua and warn him of the threats on his life. So that recording did eventually, weeks later, get to someone who gave a shit, mm -hmm. essentially. Thankfully. And at this point, the occult task force had looked over the things and removed the captain and the lieutenant from the case that were previously handling it. This is where they kind of discover, oh shit, there was a breakdown in these investigations, you know. Josh called Rhea to tell her what the officer had said, 
and she attempted to relay the information to the captain. And at that point, the captain tells her, I'm no longer on the case. And that's how Rhea figures that out. So Rhea now meets with the new officers on the case and tells them everything that has happened. And they clear her and determined that she was not involved in the murder. Her son has to go into hiding and take time off from work. He was able to identify Zach as someone who, remember I said that the group did some recon on Joshua. Yeah. Well, Zach posed as a guy selling life insurance and had a meeting with Joshua to sell him life insurance. It was one of their ploys that they were going to do to take him out, one that you will see work later on other people, but it did not work for Joshua. So he was able to positively identify identify Zach. This is the person that I met under a totally different name saying he was going to sell me life insurance. They have all of Rhea's information and about Cecilia and the gang. It's like all of it is there. You guys know. So Rhea had to wait and wait for an arrest to be made and eventually... The police stop returning her calls and messages altogether, even though she knows she's cleared. She wants updates on the case, like, where's the arrest in the attempt on my son's life, the other possible murders, that sort of thing. When she gets a hold of the task force, she is informed that the lead investigator had been shot in the stomach in a shooting incident in his home and wasn't working the case anymore. Oh, my gosh. So it appears as though just as someone is starting to make headway in this case, the circumstances of this incident are not released It's not clear. There's a lot of suspicion surrounding it. Interesting. do not know. Rhea believes that this was connected to the murders already done, but hasn't been substantiated. I mean, I agree with her. Like, that seems awful coincidental. Finally. It does. This goes to a different task force. We're getting somewhere. And the lead investigator that has the information is shot in in their own home. It is amazing, too, when they switched officers and investigators. It did seem to go somewhere Mm -hmm. pretty quickly. Exactly. So no one was prosecuted for the murders of 2012 or the attempts on Joshua's life due to lack of evidence. Meanwhile, all these people, Amber, James, Rhea, are all fearing for their life. So they continue to have their lives be harassed. So Amber worked at a daycare, and she found out from her coworkers that someone was calling and asking about when she would arrive and when she'd leave and details about her life. She knew it was Cecilia, so she resigned immediately and went into hiding. Amber actually entered into witness protection with the police even. Oh, my gosh. James didn't want witness protection, but he did live with a relative that Electus Perdias didn't know of and have any contact with. Rhea fled Kruger's drop once she realized that no court date was going to come and no arrests would be made. And two of her friends actually supported her financially so that she could flee because her life was ruined at this point in time. We do know that in 2014, the group... The Lectus Perdias lies low. Zach tried his hand at building an investment firm with a bunch of people. He lost a bunch of people a shit ton of money, including Miranda and like his some of Zach's own personal family. Miranda still a Miranda, excuse me, is still a teacher. In 2015, the group's out of money. Cecilia is, is outraged. How are they going to get money for the orphans? She's still keeping up this oh. entire business about the orphans, but no one has any money. So the only way that they can get money for these orphans is by robbing. And by orphans, we mean Cecilia's drug addiction. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I'm now going to introduce a member named John Barnard. John was an addict with a history and he criminal history I mean and he had known Cecilia for a long time because they would use and buy drugs and such together John is all about robbing for money and he offers up his own bosses 
Peter and Joan Mayer. He worked for them for 19 years. John knew a lot about their lives and wealth in the printing business that they ran and where he worked. For this robbery, they got guns through one of Cecilia's shady connections. And this is where we see the murders change from revenge to personal gain. They did not take money from the four previous victims, but these last six, they do. The Mayer family was planning to open an amusement park, so Marinda calls and pretends to be from a government office for the offering for the family to apply for government, like state funds, for the amusement park, which Peter Mayer thought was odd because they weren't at the point, it, they weren't in that point of planning yet, but he decided to make an appointment with her anyway. He usually handled all of his appointments at his office at the print shop, but Marinda insisted on meeting at his home because it was closer for her coming from where she claimed she was coming from. So he agrees. He did ask one of his associates, Jason, to come to the meeting that night just so he had another set of eyes and ears on all the government paperwork, and Jason, of course, agreed. So on November 27th, 2015, Marinda, Zach, and Marcel arrive at the home of Peter and Joan Mayer. I will put a little caveat in here now. And again, you can read uh, Jana Marks's book about the Kruger's Drop murders. It goes into much more detail than I have in these 30 pages. Prior to this November 27th, 2015 meeting, just like four days prior, they met up and did like a touch base about the paperwork type of thing. They did not kill Peter and Joan in that moment because their adult children were home. They realized a couple of their adult kids still live with them. Oh, gotcha. And so they had to abort mission, but still kind of act like they were there for all this. And they had fake paperwork and all this stuff with them. So just keep in mind that their adult kids, one of their adult children has laid eyes on them before. So then they, they reconvene and actually... Peter goes back and forth. He decides, he calls Marinda and is like, I don't want government funds, blah, blah, blah. But then he thinks on it and he changes his mind and calls her back. And they set this appointment for November 27th, 2015. I know. That's really too bad. Our listeners can't see your face right now where I'm saying I know too, but just know Amber's face was cringed. She's sad. Anyway, and it's not going to get any better from here. So just keep keep the sad face. On November 27th, it takes just a minute of small talk before Marinda, they get into the house and Marinda orders them at gunpoint to get down and tell them where all the money is. She makes them get on the ground while they're hogtied and tape is put over their mouth. Zach demands to know where the safe is that John Barnard had said the family keeps in the home. Peter is trying to explain to them that they don't have a safe. Marinda tells them that they won't kill them, And says things like, let me help you. Just tell us where the safe is. Like, let me save your life. Tell me where the safe is. They explain that their adult son, Nicholas, has a safe in his room, but he doesn't have cash in it. It's just for personal effects. So they want to know where the key is. Of course, they don't know where the key to their adult son's safe is at. When they wouldn't answer, Zach begins violently stabbing Joan. Joan starts to moan, and Peter starts to pray because the tape on his mouth has actually slipped. And the knife is turned onto Peter as he prays as he prays um, the prayer, The Lord is my shepherd, from Psalm 23. Miranda is yelling at Zach, saying, How are we going to find the money if you kill them? 
but Zach has lost it. He is just murdering them both. Remember I said that Jason, his associate Jason, was going to come to this meeting? I do And look over that. the paperwork? Jason does arrive, and he rings the, the gate of, of the driveway. Marcel answers that ring at the gate and said they're, that Peter and Joan are here, but they're fighting. And he can hear like some little bit of chaos going on in the background. So he, Marcel's like, can you come back at another time? Because it's too chaotic in here and they're fighting. Jason leaves. It did bother him all night. Like that is super weird of Peter and Joan. And like the whole thing seemed really weird. He didn't recognize Marcel's voice, you know. Uh-huh. It wasn't until that was on a Friday night. It was not until Monday morning when he arrived at work that he found out what happened. Oh, that had to have been so chilling for him. I feel so bad for him. Mm -hmm. They only got 700 rand in cash for their deaths. I don't know what that means. You are going to be sickened to hear equates to 46 U.S. dollars. Oh, my god! 700 rand in in South African rand equals 46 U.S. dollars. That's what these people died for. Yes. And a wallet and, oh, their bank cards and their cell phones, too. Which their bank cards eventually, you know, go to fraud. So, yeah. This cult. John got 200 rand for the information, which is 13 U.S. dollars. The rest they took to the casino where Marcel won 2,000 rand. What? Uh-huh. So they're hard up for money and the first thing they do is go to the casino. Yep, yep. Which is equivalent to 132 U.S. dollars. I'm mad that she won anything. So she goes to the casino, she gets the 2,000 rand, and wouldn't you know it, Cecilia tells her that there's a witch in the satanic church that needs exactly 2,000 <laughs> rand to get medicine. What? Uh, oh, weird. How how amazing that it is amazing that the witches just up. keep popping up <laughs> and needing the exact amount of money that these people have. This cult is, and I get it. We're brainwashed. We're you know very influenced by Cecilia, but the level that this cult is on, I can't. Amber, I can't handle it. I need about five thousand dollars to save a witch's children from the occult. If you could spot me that, that'd be great. <laughs> also, pay no attention to the Facebook posts of me in, you know, a warmer climate <laughs> next week after you right. give me that $5,000. I'm guessing save. you're going to have, you have to go there to save. Immediately. To yes, save I, for sure. Right. I have to hand over the money, you know. You got to, I mean, you got to do it. Yes. With a uh, martini in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> I've can't. actually never had a martini, so I don't even know why I said that. But, yep, so here we are. And I'm sorry to tell you, but the mayor's adult children found their parents that night dead in their home. And one of their sons, so Nicholas just acted really kind of odd. And he had a screwdriver. He picked a screwdriver up and, like, ended up throwing it in the pool, which later kind of threw police off because then, and he was like, no, no, I did that. So then they're like, well, was it a knife or was it a screwdriver that stabbed these people? And they, om- like, kind of, like, look at him at first just because it was very odd. And I, I, I'm like, okay. So at first, these murders are not connected to Electus Perdias at all because the occult murder case was at a dead end. Rhea had changed her name. At this point in time, police can't even, I mean, it's, it, it is 
now 2015. I mean, I can see why this looks totally different too. You know what I mean? Money yeah. was stolen. Yeah. And it, it and it doesn't like Howard Joan and Peter Mayer connected to no one knows that, you know, to Electus Perdias at all. Because it was through John Barnard, their employee. No one knew that John Barnard was a member of Electus Perdias. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, that makes sense that they wouldn't like connect at first, it at first. Yeah, it's it's not gonna be. Remember all the recon that they do. The police do notice that one of the times that they were at the house doing recon, they forgot to change Zach's license plate on his BMW that he drove. So they had the name Zach Valentine. They also found Marinda's fingerprints on an envelope that was used for the fake government documents. So they do have that. They pull them in for questioning. What Zach and Marinda do is tell the police that they were planning to meet them for dinner. Like, yeah, Joan and Peter are our friends. We were meeting them for dinner that night, but when we arrived, there was another couple there causing chaos, and Joan and Peter were fighting, so we left. Well, when they interviewed the employee, Jason, he essentially told the same story. Oh, yeah. When you think about it, yeah, he arrived, someone, you know, wouldn't let him into the gate, and they were like, oh, can you come back later? They're fighting. There was, you know, kind of chaos. So this did not help the police investigation at all, but... When Zach and Marinda were in the police station, the mayor's adult son, Nicholas, saw them and let the police know, like, the government officials that came to our house with that paperwork, that is them. Like, I saw them, I don't, you know, mm-hmm. in, right? There is some, that identification there as well. And at this point, the mayor's adult children, I mean, they have, you know, substantial financial ability here. They hire their own private investigator they also start doing their own like around the perimeter investigation and they found the hand ties that had secured their parents on the side of the road they had been cut loose by zach and marinda because they were afraid of fingerprint evidence now remember the plan wasn't to murder these people zach did that he went rogue they were just going to rob them and before they even found out where the money was zach went rogue i think he had already you know felt the power of murder, and he wanted it again. And in my opinion. Seems like a pattern with him. Yeah. So the police are considering Zach as a suspect, and they call him in again, and he's real nervous. He's sweaty. He's got dry mouth. They ask Marinda and Zach to take a polygraph. Marinda agrees immediately, thinking she'd be fine because she didn't commit the murder, which she didn't. It was all Zach. Zach was scared shitless. Now, they did take his car, but it had already been scrubbed down by Marinda at this point in time, and it was returned to them with no DNA evidence found. I did forget to mention until right now, in 2013, after Zach murdered his wife, or had his wife, Michaela, murdered, he did get her life insurance. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah. And, of course, it all went to Cecilia in the orphans. I can't believe this. So it went to cocaine. These people are like poor. I mean, they're losing all of their funds to Cecilia. Sweetie, they're losing them all to her putting drugs into her body. She is snorting it up her asshole at this point in time. I've heard people I've can heard, do that. I was <laughs> just going to say, I've heard it, it acts quicker that right. way if you yes. do it anally. Right. Everything goes quicker. better high. Everything goes quicker if you do it anally, Amber. <laughs> Oh, God. Follow us for more tips. For sure. Just the tip, as a matter of fact. (laughs) 
Sorry, guys. We got to break up the heavy sometimes with anal. My God. <laughs> Always so with sorry. anal. Sorry for who we are. I know. Me um, too. As podcasters and people. <laughs> I, the reason I mention this now is because I want to let you know that the beneficiary of Zach's life insurance, now that his wife, since his wife is dead since 2013, is Cecilia. Of I, course. I am so taken aback by this. <laughs> no yes. way. So they know at this point in time, Zach's not passing a polygraph. So what do we got to do? Kill Zach. <laughs> we got to fake Zach's death. Oh, okay. For the life insurance. Right, okay. And then you won't have to do the polygraph. That's more creative than what I was thinking. I was I was thinking oh, Cecilia probably needs money. We get to that point. Don't worry. Okay. Just give it a minute. <laughs> All right. Give it a, give it a half an hour. We'll get there. His life insurance was for 3.75 million rand, which is about almost 250,000 US dollars. Pretty decent life insurance. Then. That would provide a lot of uh, cocaine. Yes, lots of cocaine to snort up her ass. Mm-hmm. So they get a friend, 41-year-old Gerard Jackson, who had a pregnant fiance, as a matter of fact, to go on a special trip with Zach, thinking that Zach needed help and that they would pay him. And so December 16th, 2015, this is less than one month after the murders of the Joan and Peter Mayer. Leroy and Zach are in Zach's car with Jared. Did I say Gerard earlier? I meant Jared. There was a typo. I, there I was like a Gerard lot of better. There's a lot of R's <laughs> in that. I apologize. His name is Jared Jackson, which is a lovely name. They offer Jared mango juice that was laced with sleeping pills. And Leroy was in the back with Zach driving. Once the drugs took hold, Leroy strangled Jared from behind while Zach drove. This is the first time that we see Leroy actually physically carry out the act of murder. He had helped up to this point in all of them, but this was his first actual murder. Marinda and Marcel were following behind Zach's vehicle, and it's unclear if Jared was deceased completely or not, but they pulled the car over, they put Jared in the driver's side, and they set the car on fire. It is unclear if he was just unconscious from the strangling from Leroy mm-hmm. or if he was actually passed away at that time. They left Zach's cell phone in the car next to him. It was Zach's vehicle registered to Zach. So here we go. Trying have to I, fake his death. Have I said how over Zach I am? Like Not I'm yet, so but over him. We're done. We're so way done. So with over him. Here's the problem though. Jared's fiance knows that he's supposed to be with Zach that day. So when he doesn't come home and he's missing, she goes right to the apartment that's just below Cecilia's house. She also knows that he hangs out like up in Cecilia's house. She goes there as well. And of course, good old hair plugs pretends to know nothing. His fiance is like not having it. And she reports him missing pretty immediately. Oh, wow. And she tells the police who he was supposed to have been with. I do want to put this in here too. Jared's last words to his um, fiance were, I love you and I will always love you. Oh, that's I so know. sweet. You know, this whole time I've just envisioned Cecilia basically like a lifeless blob on her bed. Like just calling with all of these orders. five hairs sticking out of her head. Five hairs. Five hair Cecilia. Let's call her six hair Cecilia. Like, yeah, just like a blob laying there, just like calling orders. Yes, and that is what she is. She is a mucus. Balding she's at like a rapid pace. A mucus overlord. 
<laughs> like, yes. you know that Mucinex commercial with the green mucus blob the mucus of blob. snot? Yeah. That no, is her. That's her. Six hair Cecilia with her as a mucus overlord. Six hair. Good old six <laughs> hair. Old six yeah, hair. I just picture her just like doing nothing, yeah. being just like gross. She's just orchestrating. Just really gross. Picking her nose, farting, and burping. <laughs> yes. That's what she's doing. And just ordering these, like just cre- creating any lie that she can yeah. to like In chaos. have these people do these things. Imagine how powerful she must feel right now. Ugh. Just getting these people to do this. Yeah. Kill an innocent man to fake Zach's death. Right. Now, immediately, I'm sure that this doesn't surprise you. The scene of Zach's untimely death just doesn't look right. <laughs> what? Yes. I, I don't believe you. The investigator who had 26 years of experience knows right away mm. that this is not right. Mm. There is no evidence of an accident, swerving, swerving, no evidence of an animal possibly running out in front of him. And furthermore, what would suddenly cause a vehicle to spontaneously combust? (laughs) That's a good question. And so after... Demons. It's the demons. It's the demons. Get those damn demons. Sorry, Sorry, I'll shut up again. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's true, though. The long story short here is that The investigator does smell something fishy, of course, and he stops the body from being cremated and stops the insurance payout of Zach Valentine. Good for him. Okay. Because the other piece to this, and you can get the details more from the book, is that Jared's body was moved twice back and forth from the funeral home to the crematorium. I hate to even call it that, whatever, you know, it's called. Without the right kind of permissions or protocol, somehow. He was almost cremated twice without the right things being signed and... That's eerie. As Zach Valentine. Furthermore, Zach Valentine's family is informed that he is dead. And they full-on grieve for him, pay the funeral home for his things, which later, after everything shakes down, the funeral home did pay the family back. Well, that's good. They lost their son in their mind. Here, okay, like how tragic that his wife died in 2000, was murdered in 2013. Yeah. And now here it is 2015, a- end of 2015, and he is just a vehicle just explodes with him in Out it. Out of nowhere. On the highway. But his the family thought. strike him yes. down. But his family thought, his family he, was thought he was dead. That's, so, that's awful. I just wanted to add that in there just so everyone can recognize how much even more of an entire tainted human this man is. He is just, there isn't a gross enough analogy to describe him. All for six hair. All for six hair. I'm sorry. That's that's her official nickname. (laughs) It is, yeah. I kind of wish I would have thought of it two episodes ago. (laughs) We are clearly unscripted here at Crime Curious. Oh, God. That's the name of the the whole series. Six hair. Six hair. Oh my God, I can do it. Six Hair Cecilia, part one, uh, two, and three. But no, seriously though, that's awful mm-hmm. to think that your child is dead and possibly burned alive. For sure. And then- Not and to mention someone could, the other Jared guy did possibly burn well, alive. Well, for sure. And his family, in in his mind, the, he's missing- what happens is, and his fiance shows up at Cecilia's house again looking for him, and she's like, no, Jared wasn't with Zach, and Zach is dead. So, of course, his fiance is like, some shit went down. What is going on? Where could he be? 
there are so many unanswered questions, but I know he would not leave. She's pregnant. Oh. He's not leaving her. She's left is, with yes. so many questions. and Yes. Yeah, she was like seven months pregnant. It's just awful. The life insurance company can also, even before the investigator, like, popped on the scene to say, do not release any of the funds. They right away were like, something's wrong. Because Cecilia and Marinda were calling being far too eager to get this money. money. And Marinda would call on behalf of Cecilia and pretend that she was her sister or something. And eventually they get all wrapped up and can't keep their freaking lies straight. Which is only confirming more to the uh, investigator for the life insurance guy not even a police investigator the life insurance that was doing their own investigation was like met with them and was like yeah something is not right here because they got wrapped up in their own lies and forgot what lies they had told do you think he took a look at them and was like "Mm -hmm." oh she wants this money for her hair plugs (laughs) exactly what he thought i'm on to you Marinda calls the police and says, oh, well, he can't do the polygraph because he's dead. What ends up happening is Zach ends up costing Electus Perdias way more money because they now have to, like, stash him somewhere, right? Rest in peace, Zach. Zach. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. Zach. I shouldn't be, but. Faking his own death. Yeah. He, oh, so now he's bringing the. But now he's the bringing the group down. down because they have to put him up in a hotel that's like pay by the day, pay by the hour, pay by whatever. We don't ask questions. It's not a good place. Zach is a diabetic and he's living on oh God. like one package of ramen noodles a day. It's not good. And they have to get his insulin from somewhere. Still throughout the investigation and the trial, it is unclear how the hell they continued to get him insulin. You know, this is also a lot of attention off of Cecilia. So this isn't working. Right. This is not working. Yes. The other thing that I haven't mentioned yet is that money that's being donated to Electus Perdias is supposedly, it's not not for really the orphans anymore. We have now manipulated and transitioned into keeping Cecilia alive by her psychologist and medical bills. Oh. Because she's being so consumed by demons, she needs a psychologist. In psychiatrist. And then, of course, all of her medical bills that, well, she's continuously going to the hospital and all of that stuff. Realistically, she wasn't seeing a psychiatrist. She was probably just off on the streets snorting away all their money. Now she tells them that a witch named Jane has stolen money from the satanic church to pay for Cecilia's psychiatrist bill and that they're going to find out and they're going to kill her, so they need to rob someone again to pay Jane back. They needed 23,000 rand, which is about 1,500 U.S. dollars. Okay, to to pay pay Jane. To pay Jane because Jane stole that from the satanic church to pay her psychiatrist bill. What they do is, remember John? I do. John Barnard, and he was the reason why Peter and Joan Mayer were killed. Well, he suggests Glenn McGregor, his very own tax consultant, for a potential victim. Oh. Yeah, they thought a tax consultant would have a lot of money because, you know, none of them have any fucking brains. So, so I was just going to say, so they're randomly just selecting someone. Now because, we're just Oh, well, he does taxes. He the must have thing, money. John knew that Glenn didn't trust banks, so he was figuring that all of Glenn's money was in his house. Oh, my gosh, these people. Mm-hmm. 
So like they did with ever, with their other victims, they make an appointment with Glenn on January 27th, 2016. Now remember, they killed the mayors November, end of November, then killed Jared in December. Now we're in January and we're on to their next victim already. It's They went dormant after the 2012-13 murders. And the first murders were in 2012. They went dormant. And now here we are, end of 2015, early 2016, back at it. Leroy, John, Marinda, and Marcel. Remember, Zach is still hiding from faking his own death. Right. So he doesn't know of any of this. He is literally just hiding out. Trying to survive. Yep, someone's bringing him measly food and insulin from Electus Perdias each day. They had a whole murder kit with them. They had a 9mm pistol, a twenty two revolver, and a rope, which Leroy affectionately called his chokey chokey. Ew. As well as rubber gloves and tape. Now, when they knocked on the door, Glenn did let the group into his home. Why do people keep making appointments and meeting people at their homes? I don't know. Apparently, it's a thing. We need to stop that thing. Yep, it's got to stop. No, I demand. Do not let somebody into your home. I would actually like you to leave because you're in my home right now. (laughs) Sorry, I respect that, and I will leave right now. Get out. Yeah, some I told you some guy wanted to inspect my foundation. Oh yeah, he did. He exactly. He wanted to inspect that foundation. Get in this foundation. No. Mm-mm. For free. For sure. Okay. But yeah, just stuff like that. So yep. no, you're not coming into my home. Nope. Hell no. Hell no. So they chat about 10 minutes and he knows John and John is there and like brings this group. He was surprised that John brought a whole fellowship with him. Sure. To talk about taxes. That is very unusual. Yeah. But they chatted for about 10 minutes and then Marinda pulls the gun out and says that they're going to rob him. Now, Glenn is a big dude. And he laughs thinking it's a joke because, yeah, why wouldn't you? Right. It's all so crazy. I'm sure it was pretty bizarre. And when he stood up, Leroy reacted and like immediately wrestled him. Now, Marinda realizes in that moment that Glenn is a big motherfucker and could probably take her pussy ass little kid. Her reaction? She shoots. Of course. So this is a problem. They had never intended on shooting because now they'll have ballistics evidence. So they weren't supposed to actually use a gun. I mean, if they killed him, fine. But they were supposed to use other means. Mm-hmm. Just the guns as a scare tactic. But to kill him, uh, any other weapon. So everyone's kind of panicking because they're like, oh, God. Oh, now, yeah, yeah, we used a gun. But uh, she shot him once in the stomach and once on his other side. When he fell, they bound him with tape but his arms would not reach behind his back because he's a big dude. Marinda just stayed on top of him while she ordered her children to go look for the valuables. She demanded to Glenn, um, you know, asking him, where's your phone? He wasn't responding. He was probably in terrible pain. Right. She got his cell phone and got into his banking app, asked him for his PIN, and she told him that she would phone someone to help if he gave the PIN. So he gives the PIN number. She transferred 6,000 Rand into her account with the reference. Like, I guess you have to make a, a reference for why you were making the um, transaction. She made the reference excellent fuck. What? As if they had exchanged sexual favors for the money. And just so you know, 6,000 Rand equals about 398 U.S. dollars. 
And that's what went into Miranda's account. Then Leroy put a plastic bag over Glenn's head because he was told by Cecilia that by doing this, it stops a person from vomiting while they're being strangled. And then he proceeded to strangle him with his chokey chokey. I hate that so much. Because he is a steaming pile of elephant dung. I hate all of them so much. Me too. Leroy and Marcel then pulled Glenn into the bathtub and filled the tub. And they did this to wash away fingerprints and hope that it confused time of death as well. Glenn was found in the bathtub the next day. The 6,000 rand was immediately withdrawn from Marinda's account into Cecilia's. So now it's February 2016, and it's been two months since Zach faked his death. It's been two months of them paying for him to live in a hotel. Uh-oh. Plus the process of getting all of his insulin and all of that stuff, and it's affecting his health. He's not well. Right. At all. I'm sure he's not. The insurance money isn't coming. They know something is happening and that the police are working on it. Zach, by the end of February, has to go out in public and assume a fake name, and he uses James' ID cards that he had stolen from him. Remember his old roommate, James, who is now in hiding? Yes. After not being willing to kill Joshua? One of the most reasonable human beings Mm -hmm. in this case. Correct. Correct. Yep. He found out about the murders. He fled. Yeah. Yes. And he didn't wait for the police. He didn't. Thank God. Yeah, absolutely. He knew Cecilia had connections with the police. He acted on his instincts and they saved him. Seriously. At this point, Zach Valentine became a part of the Kaya Kahaya Ministries. And I'm sorry if I am not pronouncing that correct. I'm not from South Africa. They gave him food and shelter for ministry work. So now he is Michael DeVillers, Michael DeVillers, and he knows that since he is costing Electus Perdias money, that they might be after him next. So at this point, they aren't doing criminal things in the name of fake orphans. Now it's just for the money. Their next murder plot is Marinda's own broker, Tony Schulfield. Now just a quick question. So with Zach doing this work, is he still like, passing things on to Cecilia or is he kind of trying to like lay low he's trying to lay low okay a hundred percent and he's trying to like no longer cost them money so that they just like and they're still hoping that he gets it that his insurance payout will come through because the insurance company's not telling them that they're being investigated Mm -hmm. they just keep you know telling them like we're working on it whatever gotcha so he's still hoping for his insurance payout but he also knows he can't keep costing him money or he's going to be next yeah i'm not going to i'm not going to lie i wouldn't be mad if he was next <laughs> right i, I wouldn't be mad at that i think most of us are feeling that way but unfortunately it's not Zach Valentine that's next it is Marinda's broker Tony Schofield one week after the murder of Glenn Marinda makes an appointment with Tony and filled out an application for Cecilia to become her main beneficiary of her life insurance, whom she told Tony and Tony's wife, who was Tony's wife was his secretary for his uh, life insurance or insurance business. And uh, so she said, yeah, Marinda's like, yeah, Cecilia is my sister. So the policy was to take effect June 1st. Now, they never had any plans to pay on this policy. The other thing that I'll mention that made things so suspicious to the insurance company is that Zach's policies hadn't been paid on until right before his death. All of a sudden, they caught up on all the back payments. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> they, so they were in good standing, right. and then he died. 
but none of the other life insurance policies that were in Cecilia's names name had been paid on. So yeah, that's very interesting. Talk about a red flag. Like they're so fucking stupid. They're so dumb. She has as many brain cells as she does hair follicles. <laughs> and I'm I here agree. to tell you, it's not, not a lot. People. Not many of either. They are so dumb. Oh. Leroy is calling to set up an appointment with Tony and saying, will you meet myself and my fiance? Because we would like to set up an, an insurance policy with you. Tony's like, absolutely. And he actually schedules this appointment to be his last appointment before he's leaving on vacation with Aww. his wife of many years. He, him and his wife had been married many years. And he earned his money doing Honestly. a mm-hmm. job. Yep. Yep. Like the rest of and us. scrubs are coming in. Yep. So just before the meeting was to start, Leroy called and said his fiance Nikki was running late from work and asked if they could meet at their home instead. Tony agreed. So now Tony is going to Marinda and Leroy and Marcel's home. Obviously, Leroy isn't using his real name, by the way, in any of this. So any of the information that he gave Tony and Tony's wife for the application, none of it was real. So t- Tony knocks on 17 Corsiana, that's the apartment. Marinda opens the door. And Tony's like, oh, shit, you live here too? Because he had just met the week before with Marinda to have Cecilia become her life insurance, you know, payee. So he's like, oh, she's like, yes, yes, Leroy's my son, blah, blah, blah. We all live here. He's like, oh, well, thanks for the referral. That's so great. They did. They kind of got down to it pretty quickly. Marinda's like, let me go get some tea. She comes back with a gun and says, I had to add this quote because it just shows you who we're working with. This is her quote. She literally said, this is a stick up. Lie down on the floor and hold, hand your keys, cell phone, and wallet to Leroy. Oh and Leroy God. says, what the hell is a stick up, ma? It's called a hold up. And I've got to say, when I read that, that this is a stick up, I was like, you're a schmuck. Really, Miranda? Yeah. No one calls it a stick up. Leroy bounds Tony's hands and feet, even though Tony did have a delayed reaction in trying to fight because he didn't know that it was real either. Like at first, they all just kind of stood there staring at each other because it was like, uh, what? At this point, Leroy is 20 years old. He's stronger. He pins 60-year-old Tony down on his stomach on the carpet and ties his hands behind his back and his feet. He removed his bank card from his wallet, and Marinda demands that he give the pin to the card. She has a gun pointed at him. He gives the pin, and Marcel and John take the cards to the ATM. Once it's confirmed that the pin works, Leroy puts his choky choky around Tony's neck and strangles him from behind. They put his body in in plastic and backed his car up to their unit and put him in the trunk of his own car. They then left the vehicle abandoned in an an elementary school parking lot where people don't often frequent. They were withdrawing money, and there is CCTV camera footage. They were careful to keep their hoods on and hats over their face, but they could still kind of get like an outline of general outline of their bodies. Um, they did get about 16,000 rand from the two withdrawals that they were able to make before the bank, like, uh, which was about $1,000, okay, before the bank had set that limit, you know, stopping how much you could withdraw in one day. Yeah, okay. They were able to, he was found in that abandoned vehicle fairly shortly afterwards. 
And again, the police are investigating these, but they're also not like connecting them either. Right. Their next victim did not take long to find at all. They were sticking with the financial advisor profession to target because it had been working. And because remember how I said Zach tried it when they were like laying low in 2014 there, he had, he, he had tried to be a financial advisor. Oh yeah. Well, he, because of that, they knew like the ins and outs of what info they would need and how their schedules worked and stuff like that. So they felt comfortable with knowing, you know, kind of feeling like they could have more control that way. So Leroy makes an appointment on May 26th, 2016 with their next victim, Kevin McAlpine. He was married with a, with a wife who was seven months pregnant with their son, Daniel. The same thing as Tony is, is exactly how they trick him to come to their apartment. They kill him. And this the same way that they did with John, with the chokey chokey, got the bank cards, got the PIN number. Marcel came back from getting the money out of the ATM. And this time Kevin was still being strangled and Marcel like really struggled with this. She thought it would be over by then. This time they leave his car in a place that's known for like prostitution, that's known for sex work and drugs in a hopes that it would actually be stolen. So they only got about 1,300 rand. So that's less than a than $1,000 before the bank detected fraud and called his wife when she immediately knew something was round, wrong. They found him the same night, as a matter of fact, because that bank alert came through to her phone. So she had the police looking for him immediately when he oh didn't, my gosh. didn't come home. These so. idiots are killing people for like measly money, small amounts of not money. Not that any amount of money is worth it. No, not at all. But not at all. Agreed. This is so tiny. And it's funny that you say that because my next sentence actually is that Cecilia was not happy at all about only getting 1300 Rand. So she immediately picks their next victim four days later. They picked 52-year-old Hanel Leitgan, a Remax realtor. They decide now to go with a realtor that she may have more money. Look at how sloppy they're getting. Oh, yeah. We're gonna we're starting to spiral. On Monday, May 30th, 2016, Hanel said goodbye to her husband of 34 years, Andre, for the last time. They had raised three grown children together through that 34 years, and it was really the same song and dance. Hanel came to the house. Something that I didn't mention before is in all of these murders when it's happening in the apartment, they have music blaring while Marcel and John are in a bedroom to cover the sign, the sounds of struggle from the other apartment complexes. And they just use it as an like, oh, my teenage daughter's in there listening to her music. Uh, they do the same exact thing to Hanel. Um, but Leroy this time tells his mother he doesn't want to kill her. I don't want to kill the lady, Ma. I don't know if it was different for him because it was a woman. I'm not sure. But Marinda was so pissed that she turned the gun on her own son and told him to do it. Wow. And he knew she'd pull the trigger. So he did. They got 3,000 rand and that's it. Because at the same time, her husband was getting fraud notifications immediately and panicking because he knew something wasn't right. And she was supposed to be, Hanel was supposed to be meeting a friend. That friend called her husband too and was like, where's Hanel? She's not meeting me. And he's like, there is something way wrong. Now her car had a Remax logo all over it. 
So they didn't use her car to dispose her body. They just abandoned it somewhere. But they put, put her, this is so horrible, they put her sitting upright in one of their own vehicles and leaned her against the window so it looked like she was sleeping and made Marcel sit next to her and like hold her body up. Oh my God. And then they just dumped her body on the side of a dirt road where a sewer, um, a sewerage form, farm was and left her. So there's Marcel. Oh my God. This teenage, that she is at this point 18, just sitting up next to this dead body. These people. Oh. And unfortunately, children found Hanel when they were walking to school the next day. Now, I think I had mentioned in the other episode that Marcel was actually very bright and she graduated early. Yes. Like she graduated in the same, the equivalent of what would be in American schools in the ninth grade. They call it making marks. That is so sad that this bright young girl was subjected to. She was ruined by her mother. Yes. Her mother's a piece of shit. Who was a fucking teacher. Yeah. Shaping the minds of all the other children in her class, but destroying her children's lives. And she's the one that was like a part of every one of these murders, yes. like the center of everything. Giddy. Giddy. I told you from the beginning on the shit human pyramid, who is at the top? Is it Cecilia or is it Marinda? That's it's a, we it's could a tough d- choice, yeah, isn't it? That is a tough choice. That's like what came first, the chicken or the egg? At this point in time in her life, she wants to go to medical school. And she's bright enough to do it. She's got the grades to do it. And she knows leaving is going to be a huge threat to this group. The day after they murdered Hanel, May 31st, 2016, Brigadier Victor took over the case of the murders of Tony, Kevin, and Hanel. Now he just sounds official AF. A Brigadier Victor. I love it. I want it on a badge. I do too. That is like the best name I've ever heard. I low-key want that on a name badge for myself. So they did not realize, of course, that the other victims are a part of this. They are not connecting the mayors. They're not connecting the 2012 and 13 murders yet. But they've got Tony, Kevin, and Hanel because they're so quick, one right after the other. Both and, and all of them found, I mean, Hanel was on the side of the road, but the other two found in the trunk of their own vehicle, right? So they're able to, like, deduce that these are connected. So Brigadier Victor is now on the case, and these are the three that they used their own apartment for as well. They were able to trace Leroy's phone call to Tony to a card belonging to a guy named Christian Kruger. And he tells a story of this Fabian fellow who needed a ride with another dude and strangled a guy. And long story short is that it leads to a false confession. The man who had the information, they figure out that Christian Kruger, he had gotten all of his information from the news and he was just disturbed and wanted attention. But it cost them precious time. Wow. Yeah. Because they used a, you know, they used a burner phone. And so it was just at one point in time that number was connected to this Christian guy and he just happened to want attention. So once they realized, they realized it pretty early on because this Fabian and this Christian guy do not match at all the CCTV footage that they have at the ATM machines whatsoever. But one of the police officers does say, you know who that does look like? That looks like Marinda Stein's children. So June 23rd, 2016, they arrest Leroy while he was fishing with his father for the murders of Hanel, Tony, and Kevin. 
Marcel, who was 18, was arrested as well and charged with the three murders as well. They also arrested Marinda because while they were there to do her arrest, they found a marijuana plant on her balcony. And the case against her was dropped and she filed a claim of a wrongful arrest again. <laughs> of course she did. For one million rand. And she assured Leroy that she would use this money to get him out of prison if he took the fall for the murders. Oh my gosh, I hate this woman so much. <laughs> so in his statements, he confesses to all three, but Marcel remains silent. While this is happening, Jared's fiance was seeking the help of a ministry to help her process Jared's missing person case. And she told an elder at the ministry all about this disappearance. The man kind of like goes white a little bit and he's like, did Jared know a man named Zach? And when she said yes, he had her go home. And two days later, the same police that were investigating the deaths of Tony, Kevin, and Hanel came and talked to her and said that they think Zach is involved in an occult scheme and that they murdered Jared. DNA was collected from Jared's mother and the baby daughter that they had just had to confirm his identity. And the body was still being held, thank goodness. So on June 26, 2016, the police get a tip of where Zach was, and he is found at the ministry, and he's arrested. Woohoo! And he was identified by all the many tattoos on his back. So, oh, okay. Yep, you're not dead, <laughs> sir. Those do come in handy sometimes. But Zach wasn't arrested for murder yet. It was just fraud for faking his own death to oh. try it for the... the an insurance scheme. Okay. okay, gotcha. The police got an award-winning investigator on the case, and this person's name was Captain Boysen, and he worked tirelessly to solve the case of Jared, Kevin, Hanel, and Tony. On July 29, 2016, Marinda and Cecilia are, in, are arrested in connection with the fraud death of Zach, still not in the actual murders, but just in the fraud case. And so now, as they start to fill in the blanks, they start to connect the dots of people who were connected to Zach and Marinda and her children. They tried to get all the documents from the 2012 murders, but like I mentioned before, they were all missing. The police get a tip that they should, that they should search Marinda's classroom at the high school where she was still employed. In her home economics room, you guys... I love how she's teaching home ec, teaching oh, people yeah. how to have life skills, and this woman has none. They found 30,000 bullets, shotgun pellets, gunpowder, and her will, which ended up being the break in the case. I'll get back to the will in a minute. Okay. Give me a second. I'm, I'm hanging on I'm here. Gonna, uh, yes. I'm going to leave you dangling like a little dangler. So John Barnard was the last to be arrested, but he was the easiest to legally connect to the murders because he took his own fucking cell phone with him to all the murders. That'll get you. They arrest him on August 18th, 2016, where he was still working at the mayor's printing place. The people that he had murdered... Nine months before, eight months, yeah, nine months before, he was still working at that family's business. Now, John was not the badass that he thought. He cracked pretty immediately. So they have his confession on his part, which wasn't all the murders. You know, John wasn't a part of, he was really only the ATM pin 
right. part okay. of the murder. So you know what I mean? Where he would go to the ATMs with Marcel and get the pins. So they need Leroy to crack. Remember I mentioned the will. So in the will, it shows that she disowned her children and gave everything to Cecilia. So all the police had to do is ask Leroy if he loves his mother. He says, yes, very much. Do anything for her? Yes, I would. Here's a, here's a will. Whose handwriting is this? That's my mother's. Okay, now read it. So the police are like, you really think that she's going to win a lawsuit against us and use the money to get you out of prison? She's not even leaving you anything in her will. She's giving it all to Cecilia. And also, she's not going to win a million rand in a lawful, unlawful arrest right. case against us anyway because we definitely have reason to arrest her. <laughs> So Leroy was like, listen, they would not have stopped if they had not been caught. And he tells them where the guns are hidden in the apartment and he tells them everything. And they discover that he actually has a marinette tattooed on his neck to demonstrate how he is his mother's puppet. And I will post a picture of it. Wow, that's pretty sad. Mind blowing. He knows he was controlled by her this whole time. They collect samples from the carpet in the apartment they did find the guns uh the samples uh from the carpet did test positive for tony show uh blood and to this day murder weapons aside from the 22 revolver that shot glenn in the stomach and all of them from from the former police investigating in the 2012 murders none of that stuff has been found none of the murder weapons were ever found they did find a note that these police officers from the 2012 investigation say that they infiltrated the religious group. Like, yeah, we infiltrated it. We had someone on the inside. We're, we were working it. There is no proper documents to show that any of that is true, that they were even looking into anything the whole time. That is just unbelievable. It's so shady, too. Like, like you said... The, the investigation that's going on, yeah. like, it's a really good thing. Now, Cecilia's husband, Dries, is also being investigated, but at this time, they don't believe that he's connected in anything. But again, like I said, Earl, uh, you know, in a previous episode, that could change. This all just resolved in 2018. I don't know, you know, more could come of this. I don't know. And because all those other, investi- to my knowledge, the other investigating um, police officers that they're investigating, that's still ongoing. So Captain Bozen has 11 murders on his desk that he's wading through and trying to connect them and come up with the evidence for it. He's missing all, like, all the evidence from 2012, including Rhea, who has changed her identity. She is in hiding, has changed her identity. They don't have the murder weapons. So he worked himself literally sick. Like He got pneumonia and almost died and was oh. still working this case from his hospital bed. Not Bless even, yeah. this man. Yes. Oh, and one at one point, some of Cecilia's cronies had a hit out on Captain Bozen. Yeah, the guy was arrested. It Obviously, he didn't follow through with it, but that's how deep this stuff went. Now, initially, Cecilia, Miranda, Leroy, Marcel, and Zach, and John were charged with seven murders, four robberies, and many other crimes. John struck a plea deal. He was connected with six murders and other charges and entered a plea to become a witness for the state in exchange for 20 years in jail. So he turned, he flipped in in exchange for 20 years, which he didn't actually murder any of these people. He just, you know, gave their names up as people that they should, and he was an accessory to it. Miranda also enters a plea deal and admits to all her involvement, including 
her 2012 involvement, and she tried to defend Cecilia in court even. This woman does not deserve any type of plea deal in any way. Now, in this plea deal, though, she's not guaranteed that the, the sentencing that the judge will agree, you know, to the sentencing. But I will say for the state, 90% of the witnesses were too scared of the satanic church to talk to the prosecutor. The prosecutor said in 40 years, it was the first time that he had seen witnesses so scared to talk. So many were so physically and mentally broken that they couldn't be called as witnesses. They did get Rhea. They were able to track her down. They got her to testify. But she would not give her new legal name, where she was living, anything about her life. I don't blame her. Me neither. Now, Leroy turned into a state witness in exchange for a 25-year sentence in 2016. The state called 52 witnesses from a list of 166. The trial lasted months and was highly popular. Marcel denied everything, on the stand everything, up to the week prior to closing arguments, where all of a sudden, on the stand, she changed her tune completely, much to the shock of everyone. She changed her tune to say that she was she was guilty. She admitted her guilt, but under duress, and said that the murder of Michaela was used to threaten her into submission. She claimed that, yes, she did take part in all this. Now, remember, she was 14 when these murders started. Yeah, she's a kid. She was a kid. She's 18 now. At the, you know, at the time of the trial and at the time of her arrest, she was an adult. She was still actively participating, but, and she had stayed quiet this whole time up until, I mean, it's, it's closing arguments time, just about closing arguments. And she's like, you know what? I am guilty. I'm going to, I will admit my guilt, but it was under duress. And she talked about messages that she got in reference to Kayla's, Michaela's murder, suggesting that this is what happens when someone tries to get out. And I do believe that. Yeah. To a point too, you know. for sure. Being a kid, getting those messages too, like how terrifying. She got on the stand and she told all. And that is much of where the info came, not only from the documentary, the book, it's all in the court records too. Wow. Oh yeah. Now, although the court did understand that she was a minor, 14, at the first murder, and the judge did say that she had the ability, or the judge was like, listen, you did have the ability to get out and not associate with this group. And you didn't. So Marcel received seven life sentences to be served consecutively, plus another 144 years for other crimes. Cecilia Stein, who was 38 at sentencing. Now she was 29 when she met, 28 or 29 when she met Rhea, when all this started. She was 38 at sentencing. She will serve 13 life sentences plus 155 years for other charges for the 11 murders. Zach Valentine was 34 at the time that he was sentenced to eight life sentences. Because remember, when he was in hiding after faking his own death, he didn't participate in, in the last yes. murders. Plus, he got 93 years for seven, um, for seven murders and other charges. Marinda pled guilty in 2018 and is serving 11 life sentences plus 115 years. In 25 years, Zach, Cecilia, and Marcel can apply for parole, but there is A snow cone's chance in hell, as we like to say, of them getting it. And that, my friends, is the rest of the story. I I don't know what to say. 
Like that's so much. So much. They are where they need to be. The only people, Leroy, he turned a state is a state witness. He is only serving 25 years. Leroy, who had the chokey choke and did physically murder people, and this this is the only problem that I have. Now I get I get how controlled he was by his mom. And when he didn't want to murder Hanel, she turned the gun on him. I, I do understand that. I just pray that when this man gets out, he just sticks to a clean life and doesn't go back to that power it's, of murder. I think the sad part in all of this, the kids, Miranda's kids, didn't really have a chance. They like, didn't. What choice did they have but to partake in this? They were 10 and 12 when Miranda joined the Overcomers Through Christ and met Cecilia Stein. Yeah, they didn't have a choice in this, and it's just really sad. And Marcel who actually didn't physically murder anyone. She took part in damn near every one of them, but she didn't physically murder anyone, is serving 11 life sentences. That's That one I struggle with, I'm not going to lie. Now, I'm not saying she didn't have her involvement, but then you go back, it's like, what choice did she have right, right. to be involved in this? All because I'm of sorry, one... I'm seven, seven life sentences. Her mom is serving 11. Oh, gotcha. Look at what one hairless human being did. Yep. Yes. Six, what do we call her? Six hairs. Yeah, six hairs, six hairs Cecilia. One person did all, of, like created this whirlwind. Yes. And, and like if you we said. Think, if you think it can't happen, you guys, read back, go back to five hours ago of listening and realize like this shit can happen. It this- is dangerous and it doesn't happen overnight. This was 2012 to 2016. Yeah. It was everyday exposure to someone who is a master manipulator and liar and went to extreme lengths to prove to people that she had connections with the satanic church and she used those as threats to get people to do her bidding. And it is scary. It really is. And I am so sorry for the to the community who practices Satanism as a religion that has had a constant battle of misunderstanding of their beliefs simply because of people like her that think it's devil worship it has nothing to there's not even a Satan in Satanism. There is there are no deities in Satanism. It's not about that. And as a social worker, I am fascinated by other people's beliefs and practices and religions. And I really enjoyed learning in school about the multitude of religions that are on this earth. It's, it is really fascinating. But it would be very heartbreaking to see someone like this commit 11 murders and try to claim that it was your religion that made her do so. It's awful. Absolutely. Uh, can we, like... I can give you a brain. Be done with her. We're done. We're done with. (laughs) Some of it, even just like, I I kept thinking like, gosh, this is so hard to believe Mm -hmm. that all this happened. Mm -hmm. It's just so bizarre. And I was reading all the articles, the books, listening to podcasts, all of that stuff. I'm just like, no, how is this even possible? Then to write it into my own notes, some of this stuff was just like, I can't. I, I did cut a lot out. There is more out there that you guys can know. I kept the juicy stuff because I just felt like I was doing a disservice if I made this one episode. 
Like, how could we have made this one episode and just cut out all of it? I wanted you to really understand how deep she went into manipulating these people. So are you ready for a brain bath? Cleanse me, my friend. Okay, I don't know how cleansing it's really going to be because it's more like, I I think I'm more so showing you just how fucked up, more fucked up people, but in almost a funny way. I don't know. (laughs) So here's the title from the Daily Mail. Council worker, 61, who released two rats into his workplace because of a grievance with his boss, is jailed for six months. (laughs) So you guys, if you ever wanted to stick it to your boss, rats, not the way to go. Oh, you will get six months in jail Talk about the ultimate form of revenge. The 61-year-old who had worked for the council for 23 years was captured on CCTV entering the building with an item covered by his jacket and leaving shortly afterwards. When staff came to work the next day, the offices were covered in feces. Oh, God. <laughs> Pest control officers were called in and identified the source, the, the BBC reported. Management reported their suspicions that the rat infestation was deliberate. So, so oh my goodness. The, the um, Sergeant Paul Kelly told Brandon District Court that over the course of a few days, the offices were destroyed in excrement. The cleaning process, in addition to the damage caused, cost about 3,000 euros. I don't know what that is in U.S. dollars, but I'm sure it wasn't cheap. Yeah, probably not. O'Neill, who had no previous convictions, was subsequently arrested arrested and made full and frank admissions. Uh, His lawyer said O'Neill had bought, had brought the 3,000 euros to court to compensate for his actions. He's like, I will pay up. But the maximum sentence in the case was actually 2,500 euros or 12 months in prison. So the judge is like, yeah, I get that you like flipped, but there are plenty of ways to deal with feelings of stress that did not involve releasing rats into the workplace. So he sentenced O'Neill to 12 months, but suspended for six. And the judge called his actions uniquely wicked. Can I be uniquely wicked? Like just someday. If I'm ever going to be wicked, I want it to be unique. And committed with malice. I'm just like, I'm really surprised by the sentence. That's, I mean, not saying what he did was okay, but that's like a really harsh sentence. He had to pay over the regular fine price for something like this. And which was really to cover the cost of the cleanup. And six months in in prison. Wow. And he said this, the judge said this required forethought and was a deliberate act. He needed to catch and find rats. He needed to release them. He added, he's like, this was so premeditated and you had plenty of chances to stop yourself, <laughs> sir. And you still but let your, the rats out. Your hatred for your boss over a grievance of someplace that you worked for 23 years. You know, he had probably every day just slowly been breaking and breaking. Yeah, yeah you're right. Point. He's like, but why two rats? Also, they must <laughs> uniquely poop an wicked. Awful lot. Yeah, they probably do. It is uniquely wicked, but in like a low malice way. Like I'm low key malice. I know I would not appreciate that walking into the office. No, no. not mm-hmm. even one bit. It would be so gross, and you'd never Ugh. feel clean in there. Again, no, you wouldn't for real. But 
Okay, so I don't know that it cleansed you. <laughs> I told you. It's still it was but it was kind of like a nice wrapping up of how of these fucked up people and how more fucked up. I'm like, not thinking less. of Cecilia anymore. No, that's just rats. All right, everyone go look at a picture of a dog after this. Yes. Puppies, pet flowers. A, pet a kitten. <laughs> Do something. Give your child a hug. You know, those yeah, things. Yeah, good idea. So, all right, until next time, everyone, I'm taking a break. The next case is Amber's because I can't handle it anymore. <laughs> and and uh, I don't even know how to sign off with this one just sorry we're just gonna go and yeah we're leaving now so um enjoy the remainder of your day love y'all bye bye